Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone? I'm Chris from Weekly Games Chat. Along with my co-hosts, Sean and John, we cover the latest video games every Wednesday for your listening pleasure. We also make sure to rant about the latest movies, TV shows, and happenings in the sports world. If you like the show, catch one of our live streams on Twitch, follow us on Twitter, or even take the biggest jump of all and join our community on Discord. All found by simply searching Weekly Games Chat. Until then, I'll simply say game on in your mom's box. This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. Did you know that ArtCast is on Patreon? Well, now you do. So go check out patreon.com slash ArtCast for ways to help out the show and get some sweet perks in return. It could be something small, such as our $1 tier to show your support, or you could join one of our higher tiers to get a shout-out, pick an episode topic, or even be a part of the show as a special guest. Even just sharing our show to your friends goes a long way. So once again, that's patreon.com slash ArtCast. Thanks for helping us, and keep it retro. What's up, Argonauts, and welcome to another episode of Arcast Mini. This is Arcast Mini number 32, and I am here, as always, with the man from Denver, Robert Workman. Happy Halloween, everybody. I know we just did our Castlevania episode. Uh, you can listen to that right now at Andrew Moretti. That's at Arcast number 181. But we wanted to do something a little extra special for Halloween and actually bring on somebody who worked on a Halloween game. Uh, our buddy Tim Hartman is back. You might have previously heard him in Arcast number 6 from Retrotainment there. and he is <laughs> Way, way, way ago. Like, Eons, but um, <laughs> but indeed he's back. He's back to talk about Haunted Halloween '86, which just came out for Nintendo Switch. We're going to talk about a little bit about that, as well as some other Halloween games that kind of fit the mood. Not not entirely scary as hell. Oh, I just pooped in my pants sort of games. Just like Halloween themed games. I think this is a good little mini episode to do that for, right, David? Yeah, I mean, it might it might scare you with like how difficult that the games can be. Well, yeah, <laughs> but you know. Anyway, hi Tim. Good to see you again, buddy. What's up, Tim? Hey, happy Halloween, guys. How's it going? Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, yeah. Yeah, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah, this Absolutely. It really <laughs> is. It's very spooky. But yeah, we've seen this game released in the past. We've seen it on uh, Steam. We've seen it on the Xbox One. But now, Haunted Halloween finally making its way to Nintendo Switch and really opening up to a whole new audience. Because if everybody knows, like, every game that comes out for the Switch seems to sell like hotcakes. So, you know, congratulations. Glad to see this game find a brand new format and really just appeal to a whole bunch of new retro gamers that want to check it out. We're pretty stoked about it. Um, it's been a long time coming from the NES release to the Famicom release to Steam and then Xbox and then finally to the Nintendo Switch uh, to be the first NES homebrew game on the Nintendo Switch, the first new NES game actually since like Warriors Woods back in 94. Oh, wow. It, we're so stoked about it. We're so glad that actually Retro is alive. And even though we've been we've had good success with like Xbox and Steam and obviously the cartridge to be on an actual Nintendo console is like a dream come true for our team. So 
we're just it, to anybody that's listening that, that has played our games or uh, you know t- retweeted or, or shared some of our social media we're just we're so thankful for everybody rallying behind us to help get us to switch because it's been a community effort i mean considering the fact that this is a game made like through nes hardware um you know it really does come full circle in that case so i was kind of curious like with um you know like you know as far as like having your game now on the switch with with Honda halloween 86 um what was like the process as far as like speaking with nintendo and getting your game on their console we worked with a, a porting company actually a friend of ours um mega cat studios oh mega cat yeah yes so we we kind of joined forces here to make this happen so they released creepy brawlers at the same time that we released haunted halloween 86 mm. um on the switch so um working with them we've kind of learned a lot in this process you know nintendo is very strict and, uh, you know, their platform is somewhat sensitive to be released on because, and, and for good reason, um, they want their platform to be as strong as possible. They want to keep the store clean and make sure games do not disappoint their players. So like the art assets, the trailers, the general references, everything is heavily scrutinized. Um, mm. So th- that's a good thing, but I can also see that being a bad thing for some developers because it does cause you to make adjustments, uh, jump through hoops. You know, even our trailer, for example, had to be different for the European version, which we're just finding out, which the European version of our game will be out soon on the Switch. Right now it's US only. But to answer your question and sum it up, it's not easy. Um, And I think that's a good thing uh, because it taught Mm. us all a lot of lessons. So I'm kind of curious, though, like with that, because you mentioned like how like, you know, it's obviously like tough, like with like, you know, with like Nintendo as far as the gang on like their platform. Um, I don't know if you have like, any sort of like opinions, I guess, with why there are like maybe like certain games on the store, for instance, obviously, it, like it seems like it's kind of like long past, I guess, like with like the Nintendo seal of quality days, if you will, um, right. where you have like, uh, was it like Life of Black Tiger and like games like that that like get on like the console, like the WiiWare uh, shovelware or whatever. It yeah, is. exactly, oh, exactly. Yeah. So like, I was, I was kind of curious, Tim, on on your take, I guess, with um, you know, with that, and if you know, like, I guess, like with how that compares to, I guess, like how how Nintendo was back in the NES days. Oh, that's gonna be hard to speak to. You know, we had to submit the game to be considered to be on the platform. For example, like when we go back to Xbox, Xbox actually approached us at, at uh, I think it was PAX East one year. Mm. And we were, we, I mean, we were floored because why the hell would Xbox want a Nintendo game on their console? Well, I can understand because I think Xbox wanted a little bit more retro and um, that we delivered that because obviously it came out on cartridge first. As far as the, uh, you know, Nintendo goes, uh, y- you talk about shovelware. And are you saying that you're seeing too much on the Switch in the eShop? I mean, just like when you say that, I guess, you know, I guess like with like how strict that, that Nintendo can be and like for, for you know, for a like good reason too, like they, they want to make sure that there's like a certain quality of games that only get released on, you know, on their console. Um, you know, and you know, obviously, I'm not like lumping in like you know your game like with you know with like the shovelware that's like out there, but th- there is like a fair amount of shovelware out there, or like games that just make you kind of like scratch your head, I guess, with how they got past like that scrutinization right. oh, oh, from okay, Nintendo. Okay. You know, yeah, that that makes sense. I, I think there are some companies, and I I can't say this for sure. I'm just hypothesizing that maybe they have a good tenure, um, and they have a deal with Nintendo that. They have like an open open publishing agreement, you know, have like a contact and, maybe of some sort, right? And so you they want to keep everybody happy, so you got a couple duds here, but we're we're throwing them a bone. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, it, it might be a marketing strategy by Nintendo too that to say we like some of these ninety-nine cent games, these one ninety-nine for people that have this marginal amount of money left over on a gift card and they can just spend it up. Um, I, I can't say for sure, but I know that you know they were intense in looking into our game. They, mm. pl- I can tell you for one hundred percent, they played our game. We had to make adjustments to our game, and it was for a better user experience, and we respected that. So. Going forward, we wanted it to be, you know, safe because we don't want our first dance with Nintendo to be, we don't want to be butting heads all the time and saying, hey, you're wrong. You know, no, we want to do this. You know, we kind of had to uh, deal with what they're saying. But, yeah, I, I'm not sure what, what the ultimate answer is on why some of that shovelware gets through. Uh, yeah, I mean, know, it's just more of kind of getting like your like opinion on uh, I just, I think that some of it came early when they needed content. And then maybe some of those publishers actually showed earnings. So Nintendo said, well, we got to trust them. Hmm. Well, I mean, like some of the games, like I'm still trying to figure out some of these games together because some of them are just like these um, Asian dating simulators or some of them are right. just like these games in which, wait a minute, I paid a dollar for a, what was it like a balancing thing for your switch. If you're holding like I, I forgot the name of it, but, you know, I guess they want to go for that diversity. But by the same token, they also want to go for that level of quality. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, so there's different strokes for different folks, because who knows? Maybe those um, dating simulators sell like hotcakes. I think they do, honestly, because there are like a fair amount of them out there. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think money talks. And I think that those simulators probably do very well. And, you know, but to us, it might not be what exactly what we're looking for and what we expect from a Nintendo console. But if I've learned anything in the past five to six years, the times are changing. So, mm. you know, you never know what's going to be a hit. That's true, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of curious then, like with, with that said, then, um, like how has the, you know how has Haunted Halloween '86 sold on Xbox One and on um, on like Steam, and how how is it looking so far on on like the Switch from what you're seeing? Oh, uh, it did pretty well on Steam, and then it did very well on Xbox, which I'm not going to say it surprised us, but it surprised us because <laughs> we thought the game was good, and we felt that you know we poured our heart and soul into it. So obviously we have confidence in our game and our brand and whatever we're making. But the fact that the Xbox um, fans and players took to it only gave us confidence and told us like, damn, we got to get to the switch stat, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So yes, it's been, it did very, uh, did well on steam. It did very well on the Xbox and it's doing very, very, very well on the switch thus far. We're, We're only getting very early numbers I mean, it's only been out since the 24th, but the groundswell that's happened um, with the NES homebrew community and the retro community in general, getting behind the game and getting it into places like Reddit and Twitter and and Facebook and everywhere. um, I have high hopes for the game. I'm really hoping that it paves the way for more NES homebrew to find its way to the Switch. Hmm. And um, before we go any further, can you like describe to us on what Haunted Halloween '86 is all about? Kind of like a uh, kind of like an elevator pitch, I guess, for people who don't know about it. Sure, it's a uh, platforming beat 'em up, side-scrolling horror game based in 1986, where our characters Donnie and Tammy uh, find themselves on Halloween night, and the town is taken over by a curse, and they need to battle through to save the town on Halloween night, and. Um, you know, in the vein of like a double dragon beat em up or something like that. It's a horror themed game. Uh, it's rated E. So um, 
and it's got some humor in it. There's some dialogue, obviously, but uh, it, it's a it's kind of a fast paced beat 'em up that uh, is set in 1986 with a lot of historical like 80s references and things like that. That's great to hear, honestly. And like, um, you, know, you know, obviously you have like other games too. Like there's Haunted Halloween 85, uh, which was like, the, you know, the game previously. Um, is 86 meant to be a direct continuation of that game? Yeah, it's the next in the sequel. And our, it's the sequel, the next in the series. Um, we obviously have plans for an 87. We've said that publicly. I don't know if we've ever said it on a podcast or anything like that. We've said it in a few interviews. Um, I got a well, trapper podcast keeper. exclusive then in that case. Right. Well, kind of, <laughs> yes. Uh, we, I have a trapper keeper folder full of planning and ideas and diagrams and levels. Of course and, you have a trapper keeper. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> right. He, he, right. He has a speaking spell too, just in case, you know, you need <laughs> exactly. proper terms. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, in fact, I didn't even realize I just said that. So th- th- that's stupid. Um, but, uh, and I look down and I have a Halloween three uh, t-shirt on, which is, yeah. So I wear my heart on my sleeve. You're keeping it legit in that case. then, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 87 is, is in the works. I mean, it's, it's very, very low level behind the scenes. We have to finish full quiet first, which is our next NES game. But uh, yeah, 87 is, is coming along a little bit, you know, behind the scenes, pen and paper type of stuff. Uh, We've we've had aspirations to do 87 for a while now, but with the game kind of getting legs uh, under itself for Steam and then Xbox and now obviously the Switch, um, our focus kind of had to change to more of a marketing PR, get the word out, let people know that the hardest thing, like one of my jobs is obviously all the marketing, all the social media, all the PR, all that stuff. So one of the hardest jobs that I have is letting people know this is a real NES game. It was released on cartridge first. This might be the first time you're hearing about it because it's coming to the Switch, but it's an 8-bit legit vintage style game. You know, 8-bit legit, yeah. <laughs> right. I like that. Yeah, that, thank you. That's the tag we use because it's it's built from the ground up. And, you know, the, the NES constraints are followed to a T and it plays on a cartridge. It plays on an NTSC system. And um, it'll also play on things like the AVS, which is made by our friends at Retro USB. Um, if you want to go to a, like a bigger television with an HDMI, but you know our games are created on cartridge first, and then if they're good, they go further to modern consoles. Nice, yeah. And um, you have your other game here as well, Full Quiet. Uh, so I don't know if you can like talk a little bit about that as well. For sure, it's um, it was kickstarted and fully kickstarted, and it's an open world mystery adventure. Uh, we're going to use some like eight-way scrolling, shooting in eight directions. We're going to use um, like a sniping system. Uh, we're still using the same mapper, which is the MMC3 that we used for the Haunted 86. But um, it, it's, you know, it's just, it's a different style game. This is not a Haunted game. It's a, what I would call a different series or a different brand. Um, it's it's more ex- exploration and mystery. It's still got a, like some creepy elements to it. It's based in the forest which we love and you know we grew up being in the woods or like for example we got to go to portland retro gaming and we get to go to seattle for pax west and up in seattle they have somewhere called the seward forest i hope i'm saying that right but like (laughs) that was some of the inspiration for the environment of full quiet so you know we keep it creepy i guess is what you'd say Hey, this is Adam. This is Mike. And this is David. From Super Best Friends Video Game Sleepover. We make a fortnightly video game podcast. Fortnite means every two weeks. Covering gaming news, game reviews. I give it five out of five tacos. And whatever crazy audience tweets come in. And sometimes celebrities like Arnold even stop by to sing karaoke. Oh, I love just like Buzzy Hall. 
Each episode, we feature one burning topic, game dev interview, or super guest friend from the world of gaming. Check us out on the HP Video Game Podcast Network or on sbfvgs.com. I don't care about that. Wow. Nice. So as far as like, you know, what your focus is on, I mean, you know, it obviously seems like you, you like to kind of go for a more of like, a, you know, kind of like creepy vibes, certainly like spooky vibes, um, and certainly keeping it within like the 8-bit like kind of family, if you will, you know, as far as like how you like develop the game as well. Um, so, I mean, like as far as like the actual development of these games, uh, what kind of challenges do you face as far as like, you know, trying to keep within like the restraints, um, you know, as well as like making the games you have like envisioned in your mind? I think the biggest challenge is making a game look good, feel good, and play well within the constraints of the NES um, while pleasing yourself and pleasing others because you guys are are artists as well and you know that you want to jam 20 pounds into a 10-pound potato sack Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you can't do that. You have to make concessions. And so that's probably the biggest thing that we've learned over – Uh, you know, 85 to 86 and now into full quiet, which is being super efficient and understanding that not everything needs to get in the game and to tell a story or tell the vision in as with as little as possible. We say that the NES is like a blessing and a curse because, you know, the blessing is, well, we can only be within 512K. You know, we got to fit it in there. But the curse is you only have 512K. Right. (laughs) So it's, you know, so it's a challenge. It's a double-edged sword in that case, for sure, yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. I'm yeah. taking a look at some of the footage from Fur Quiet there, and it definitely looks like it's got some neat little inspirations there. Um, and I'll tell you, is I think I saw something with a sniping segment where you can actually look through, like, first-person scope. Correct, yeah. When you're at in certain tree stands or tr- certain levels in the game, um, there's going to be a sniping option, which is kind of different uh, to us because we had never done that. Um, it's been very challenging. In fact, it's just gotten in now and uh, in a competent way, and it's it's looking great and feeling great. Um, I don't want to give away too much, but it is an, an important part of the game. Yeah, and, and the art style, too. It looks like almost like an 8-bit take on uh, Campo Santo's Firewatch in a way because you can see, like, the tones when the sun goes down and, like, you know, the locales of the forest. But it, it definitely looks like it stands out in, in its own two feet in terms of, like, the haunted Halloween sort of vibe, but not exactly like haunted Halloween. Like, like you imagine like uh, if the two maybe had a kid, <laughs> it'd be like, and we'll <laughs> throw in some sniping for fun. You know, that sort of deal. <laughs> a sniping kid. Right. Yeah. Maybe artistically, I hear what you're saying, but you know, totally different gameplay. The fi- we've drawn Firewatch comparisons because of the mock cover that we did originally with the tower. Um, but, but th- that's not a bad comparison because of the tones and colors uh, of that game are, are spectacular. You know, right. they're top notch. So that that's really cool to hear that. Um, our original goal for Full Quiet is pretty much to set out and do something that hasn't been done on the NES. Uh, just to totally immerse you in this world that's that's different. We want you to sit down and be like, what the hell am I playing? You know, <laughs> at first. But then as you grow into the game and you become more familiar with it, you, you, you know, it just takes over. And, um, you know, so that that's that's what we're after. And we've been very lucky by our backers saying, hey, keep going, keep going, keep, you know, don't rush the game. Get it done right. Because if we've learned anything during this process is that making a, a huge open world game takes a lot of time and a lot of planning 
And I'm glad that the people that are going to end up buying this or have kickstarted it have been patient with us waiting for the game to be done. Mm. I mean, like, you know, like even like going by the the like constraints, like on the NES or making like an NES like, you know, game that actually works on the console. Um, I mean, making like an open world game. I mean, that's just like beyond belief, like beyond anything that has ever come out for the official library. <laughs> no. um, We're hoping so. We're hoping this becomes one of those games where people say, why did you do it? And I'm thank I'm so thankful you did. Right. That's what we're hoping at the end of the day. So I have to ask you then, um, you know, and this doesn't have to be like revealing anything that you're currently working on, just kind of like pie in the sky for you. Uh, what would you love to be able to see or even pull off yourself um, that has never been done before on an NES game? Well, oh, that's a great question. Like, I don't know if there's like maybe like a modern gaming mechanic or something like that that you feel like, huh, that'll be interesting to try to make work within an 8-bit game. But, you know, how would that work? Or like maybe you have like an idea of like how it might work, but, you, you know, you you don't know if you'll be able, if you would be able to work, I guess, within the confines of uh, of the cartridge, you know? Yeah, Um. Ooh, that's a great question. We've been working on something behind the scenes for a long time. Hmm. Um, and, and I don't want to give anything away. Yeah. <laughs> I um, mean, you don't have to give anything away, but I don't know if you had like anything that's like kind of pie well, in the sky say, that you don't think. Well, the pie in the sky for me personally, if, we, if we're just talking about me, was to make a thing called the MP3 cart, which we literally just finished on the side, which allows you it allows me to release a band's album on NES cartridge while being playing MP3 quality, quality audio through the TV. Um, my friend's band, Zayo, which is a hardcore band, they're going to be our first release of this. And no, no one even knows this shit. It hasn't been announced. So you're putting this out Tuesday, is that correct? Tuesday, yeah. Okay. So um, it's actually going to go up for pre-sale on Wednesday. I did all the screens, I did all the lyric implementation and uh, the syncing up, but it's it's going to be an MP3 cart. So you're you're going to jam a Nintendo cartridge into your into your Nintendo, and you're going to be able to hear MP3 sound quality audio out of the audio um, of the TV. It's pretty cool. So that was my pie in the sky, and we just did it. Wow. So I guess like as a follow up question, how the hell did you make that work? <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, uh, we worked with it with. Uh, Joey, our buddy Joey Memblers, um, Joey Parcell, he's he's Memblers for anybody that's like on Nintendo Age or things like that. Um, he he does a, a GT ROM board for Nintendo games. Now, we don't currently use GT ROM for our games, but you can if you're producing your own games. We were able to work with him. He created a board that would function with an SD card so that the code we were able to write for the game itself, the cartridge would interact with the SD card so that, for example, when a song is playing, the page flips for the lyrics with the song. So it's synced up. It's pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, and then uh, we were able to you know, obviously code it in your standard assembly language. And then the MP3s are housed on the SD card, the micro SD card. And then um, our friend Paul at Infinite NES Lives was able to make this chip that we needed, which taps into the expansion audio chip on the Nintendo, much like a Famicom had that we didn't have over here in the US, which opens up the audio channel for you to hear this. Oh, okay. So it's kind of, it's basically like adding in like another part to the cartridge in order to kind of make that work within the hardware. 
Oh, it, it's it's a, no, it's actually adding it to the NES. You would have to insert oh, this I expansion see. audio slip chip, we call it, mm-hmm. into the system, and then that that opens up the channel. But like, if, like if we'd have done this for a Famicom release we wouldn't need that insert. Right, yeah, because I know certain Famicom games, and I actually learned this too, actually, from our last episode with, um, you know, by talking about the Castlevania games, because um, I learned that from uh, the development of Castlevania 3, uh, the Famicom version, they were able to um, get out, like, more um, more quality music, basically, for, for, for like, the tracks. Uh, but when pouring it over to, uh, to like, the North American release uh, for the NES, uh, they had to actually downgrade that since they couldn't add in, like, that extra chip that they needed in order to, uh, you know, squeeze out the, uh, the extra quality in their music. That, you're exactly right. I couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I, you know, I was also looking at your website too over retrotainmentgames.com. Just a quick plug there. Um, and you mentioned here sure. in big news, we are helping bring Earthworm Jim and Earthworm Jim Two back to market in collaboration with Interplay and I Am Eight Bit. So I don't know if you can get into that a little bit as well. Yeah, the uh, I just finished up the project, and um, that was a ton of work, which they all are. Um, pretty much we were manuf- the manufacturing end and the production end for getting Earthworm Jim 1 and 2, the combo cart, uh, re-released in a limited edition through IM8-Bit. So those jobs are a lot of fun, and I love working with IM8-Bit. I love working with um, Infinite NES Lives, who also works with us on those projects, and you know Interplay and Capcom and places like that. To bring this leg- legacy cartridge collection, like, to fruition is just it's really special to me to say you know what i worked with the earthworm gym franchise i worked with mega man or i worked with street fighter 2 which was our first release which was so badass i couldn't believe it the day i was touching those cartridges so it's kind of humbling um to say like that i worked with that but like we really care about what we're doing and i think that's how we've gotten rolled in to these jobs and gotten our experience points up so to speak where people can say, hey, you know, Retrotainment, we need you to do something important. And here's that. Just it happens to be lately that it's Earthworm Jim 1 and 2. Now, I Am Ape It just announced Aladdin for the Genesis and Lion King for the Super Nintendo that right. we, we will be doing that next. Cool. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I think I saw the announcement about that with the uh, special cartridges. We talked about it a little bit. Yeah. The last episode. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, Glow in the Darks and Standard, like the Ruby Red looks amazing. Yeah, yeah, it really does. So Tim, like that's that's all you know, that's all like amazing and um you know, like I don't know if there's like uh you know if there's like anything else that you want to like kind of throw out there like or, or like promote uh you know before we wrap up. I mean we just came out on the switch, so that's the biggest thing uh to us to date. I mean, bigger than Mega Man, bigger than Earthworm Jim and having a part in those projects to to have our creation actually make it from the cartridge the whole way up to the Nintendo Switch eShop is pretty badass and uh i thank everybody that's played the game promoted the game thank you for you guys i mean you're 181 episodes in congratulations that's fantastic yeah (laughs) and i mean you guys you guys pound the pavement you do the work you're at the shows just like us you know Mm -hmm. you just keep on keeping on so uh the switch is obviously something that i'm hoping your your listeners will go and check out even if you just watch the trailer on youtube um there is a free demo of 86 on steam if anybody is wants to test the waters, but we're just super stoked about that. A a, a lofty goal would be to get our game on physical cartridge for the Nintendo switch. So um, that's, that's what we're looking down the road to, you know, we're going to finish full quiet when we keep uh, promoting haunted Halloween 86 on the switch. And then um, yeah, we're just going to 
We'll see everybody at the shows like PAX East, PAX West. We're doing PAX South uh, coming up next year, which will be a, our second time doing that show since we were a PAX Rising participant a, a long, away, long time ago. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and I can't thank you guys enough for having us on. Certainly, yeah, and um, you know, you you were also gracious enough to to give me a code for Haunted Halloween '86 on Switch, so thank you again for that. Um, and since I got to play the game as well, I mean, like it basically is like a River City Ransom like game uh, with like more platforming involved, uh, but obviously with like a spooky vibe to it. So um, yeah, and the combat's way up there, you know, with the downward dashes. Mm, yeah, the combat is more like a. I'm not going to say it's Street Fighter because it's not, but it, it has a lot more diverse combat than your old regular beat-em-ups for sure for sure yeah yeah so i mean yeah. you know it's definitely great and you know that definitely sounds like your jam as far as like you know having like that spooky beat-em-up vibe and um you know and, and all that then like definitely jump on haunted halloween 86 on switch or on steam or xbox one or whatever console of those that you have basically so. or nes cartridge yeah, the NES or the nes cartridges exactly that, that that gets top billing all the time of course of course yeah uh so tim thank you very much for coming on the show and uh where can people go like in order to find you retrotainment and all that online you can find us at retrotainmentgames.com we're on facebook we're on twitter we're on instagram and um you can reach out to me personally uh, I do all the social media. So any questions you ask nine times out of 10 come to me and I can't thank you enough, David and Robert for uh, helping us out and having Absolutely. us on the show. Yeah. It's a pleasure as always, man. And um, if you'd also like to follow our cast on Twitter, we are at art podcast, same thing on Facebook, facebook.com slash art podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at the guilty man. Well, follow me at Twitter, twitter.com slash the DCD. You can also check out my work at svg.com, gameper.com and mmogames.com. If you'd like to send us any feedback, opinions, retro games, or topics for us to cover, or anything at all, really, you can email us at artcast at retrozap.com. And be sure to check out RetroZap.com for all sorts of other amazing podcasts. It's your home away from home if you're crazy about Star Wars or pop culture in general. There's also us with Arcast, so be sure to find us on iTunes to subscribe, give us five stars, and tell your neighbors. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. So there's absolutely no reason to not follow another retro gaming podcast. All right, and that's it for Artcast Mini number 32. Until next time, keep it retro. And remember, happy Halloween, and don't uppercut anybody in real life. Do it in the game. That's the best way to go. I mean, that or if you get powered up from some candy corn anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, well, even then, don't uppercut. Well, if you do uppercut anybody, it was David's idea. Yeah, I'll be impressed, personally. So. Yeah. <laughs> See you guys next time on our regular episode of Art Podcast. Catch you later. Hello, my name's Richard Moss, and I make a podcast called The Life and Times of Video Games. It's a narrative and documentary-style show about games' history and how the medium has evolved over time. Each episode or bonus interview soundbite delves into some aspect of the ups and downs of the industry, or the design, development, and legacy of the best or most interesting games ever made. It's all carefully edited, complete with original music and sound design, and a mix of interviews and deep research. All set up to tell you a great story about the secret worlds behind or within video games. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.